When our youngest, John Mark, was almost six years old, and he was learning how to read, you got a sense of his heart one day when he came to me and he says, Daddy, sometimes S is the best letter. I said, what do you mean? He said, you just add S and you have more. You have one friend and you add S and you have friends. And I went, yeah. It was a demonstration of God, John Mark's heart, I believe, because the thing that he thought of was more friends, right? If you could add S to anything, what would you add S to? More cars? More monies? Monies? I don't know how you say that. But what would you add S to? What is it that you value? Where is your heart? If you think about what you value, you might say, well, I don't know. And on the one extreme, you haven't really thought about what you value. You just kind of live life. You react. You're spontaneous. And you bounce along through life. And sometimes it goes good. And other times it doesn't. And sometimes you're happy. And other times you're not. On the other extreme, you think about life in terms of your values and your principles. And you schedule. And you budget. And you plan based on the outcomes that you hope or the outcomes that you pray and expect because of what you value and what's important to you. Most of us are somewhere in the middle, however. There are some things that we hold as important, therefore we plan for them, budget for them, spend our time and passions that way. Others, eh, well, we just kind of let that happen and just kind of punch autopilot and fly through life. As a church, we have values as well. And those values govern what we do and how we do it and why we do it. And they're not always apparent, but that's why on occasional times we need to remind us of those. And those values that guide us, we'll talk about each one briefly today. Bible engagement, a worshipful lifestyle, intentional relationships, gifted service, and gospel sharing. Now, going back early in my tenure as pastor, 15 years ago, we did a process called refocusing, where we developed values for our church, looking back at our history and saying, what was it that God was teaching us that was unique to Southview at that time? Some of these things are similar to what you would hear in any evangelical Bible teaching church, but they're unique in the way we've structured them. And then a few years ago in 2017, we refreshed those values, and that's what you see, those five values in front of you there. Now, those values... And living by values were kind of what was behind our Inbox Zero sermon series as well. That we live and we make our choices based on who we are and based on who God's called us to be. Which leads us to our Scripture Memory Verse of the Month. That Scripture Memory Verse of the Month, Matthew 6.33, certainly talks about how and why we make the choices for the way we live our life. Let's say it together. Matthew 6.33 But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Matthew 6, 33. Let's pray together. God, our Father, we thank You that You are present with us and that You will speak to us now through Your Word because You are God. Your Holy Spirit is here in the hearts and everyone, each and every one that is a believer in Jesus and is certainly working on the hearts of those that are not yet believers to be. 
why we make the choices we make and the values we live by. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, our first value, and that's on your sermon outline, is Bible engagement. And if you need to find your sermon outline, you know, you can go to our website, southviewbaptist.org, and there's a bulletin page there. And from that bulletin page, everything is linked. All our events are linked, giving is linked, and then version in our uh, sermon outlines. And you can just go to the version app if you have that and search events and look for Southview. But Bible engagement is our first value. And we use the word engagement because researchers have found out whether you read the Bible or whether you're hearing the Bible, it's still engaging. Engagement. It's just as effective for you. And it assumes, of course, that you're praying the Bible back to God, that you're thoughtful about what you're reading, and it is completely and absolutely life-changing. Even though we should do other things as followers of Jesus, we should have other disciplines such as church attendance, such as serving others, such as prayer, even things like fasting and meditating. We should do those things. The foundational discipline for a follower of Jesus is engaging the Bible by reading it or by hearing it so that it might change your heart. Psalm 119.105 will be our verse today that points that out to us. And there are plenty, but for the sake of time, I just pulled one verse for each of our points today. Psalm 119.105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. It's a lamp. When's the last time you walked into a dark room? Well, if it's a dark room you knew, it was probably okay unless something was somewhere where it wasn't supposed to be. Our basement, many times as basements would be, can be dark. Let's say I'm walking down there in the night or early in the morning before the sun's coming in the windows, and I don't know that Hudson, our dog, left his bone, one of these kind of hard plastic bones that gets pokey on it, you know, and he still chews on it. I don't know why. I wouldn't want to chew on it. And I'm walking through the basement, and all of a sudden, yo! I needed a light. I needed a lamp. Even though I knew the way I was going, I didn't know the obstacle that would be in my way. God's Word says of itself that it will show us the way. If you need to know how to live your life, how to make decisions, the values to live by, where do you find them first? Right here. God's Word. Which begs the question for you. How do I engage the Bible? How is it that you in your daily life or weekly life, at least regularly, are engaging the Bible? Studies show that you need to spend at least 10 minutes, at least four times a week in the Bible. That's not too much. Think about all the hours you have in a week. Can you give 40 minutes to engaging the Bible either by hearing it or reading it? You might say, oh, pastor, I'm too busy to read it. I got, I'd want to say, hey, the Bible app, you can push play, baby. You can listen to it while you're driving down the road. You can listen to it while you're folding laundry. Certainly, you have 40 minutes a week you can give to engaging the Bible, and that's at a minimum. We believe in the total inerrancy of God's Word. We believe that it's absolutely sufficient for every need of our life. We believe that it has life-changing power, and so we've got to regularly engage it to put our money where our mouth is and live it. Our first value is Bible engagement. Our second value is a worshipful lifestyle. Now, the way we defined a worshipful lifestyle was that it was knowing that worship is more than what we do together on Sunday morning. We live daily in submission to God. We pray at all times, and we willingly serve Him, and we've got a constant attitude of worship that leads us to 
humility. Humility is the start of worship. Why is that? Humility is that foundational virtue that says, I don't know everything, and I'm certainly not perfect. Therefore, I need to be humble before God and towards others in order that I might learn things. And when it's humble towards God, that's the foundation of worship, saying that, God, you are God, and I am not, and you are in control, and I am not, and you are all-knowing, and I don't, and you are all-powerful, and I am not. And so, God, I am yours, and it's not just what I do on Sunday morning when I dress up and say, I'm fine, how are you? But it's the way that I live my life day in, day out. It's how I wake up on Monday morning. It's how I talk to my wife when no one else is around. It's how I treat my children even when I'm frustrated. It's how I spend my money. It's how I take care of my free moments at work. Go in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3 verse 15 through 17, gives us a picture of this sort of worshipful lifestyle, where it says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, you are called to peace, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and with all, sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, Whether in word or deed, do it all into the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Everybody say, whatever you do. Whatever you do. do. Everything you do is an opportunity for worship. Because everything you do in relationship with God that's 24-7 is about worshiping Him and serving Him. So my application question for you on worshipful lifestyle is this. What do I need to remember is worship? What areas of your life are most challenging to you in this idea of worship? What areas of your life do you struggle most with treating as worshipful? Those things that get under your skin a little bit, that are burrs in your saddles, that cause a hitch in your giddy-up and any other Texas idiom you can come up with. Where it causes me to forget my Christianity is the phrase I use. That's maybe where you need to remember most that your life is still worship and everything you do is worship and ask God to change your heart and your outlook at that very point. Let's move on to our third value. Our third value is intentional relationships. Intentional relationships. This is more than shallow, I'm fine, how are you acquaintances. This is an exercise of sacrificial love by giving ourselves to meaningful relationships with others for mutual Christ-like growth. This is the one that I think is hurt the most during COVID-19. Some of us already had deep and growing relationship with one another inside our church or other believers in Christ outside our church that we can call up on the phone or we meet with on Zoom. But those of you that weren't as connected already, you might be feeling a little distant, and I am so sorry. I'd want to say join into a Zoom Sunday school group. Find a way to share your life with others and give yourself to others, even in COVID. Even if you have to meet six feet apart with a mask on, if you're comfortable with it, meet face to face because there's something about being together and intentional relationships. Intentional relationships are mindful that we're going to do it. It's available, it's helpful, and it's even sacrificial. 
If you're wondering today why I'm wearing a suit, it's not because you missed anything like we're going to do the Lord's Supper, we dress up for that. Um, It's not because this is my Myra's wedding suit, no offense to Clayton, we always talk about Myra, but it's because we're ordaining Vince Cogley to the deacon ministry. This is one of those other things that got lost in COVID, right? We agreed that Vince was going to get nominated, the church voted to approve him, and then COVID happened, and we're like, uh, how do we ordain people when we normally gather around them and pray for them, and we're not supposed to be that close? I bring up Vince as this. I have the privilege of knowing all of you pretty much, at least regulars, and knowing something about your life, but having walked with Vince and Andrea and their children through some terrible valleys, but also seeing Vince serve in day-to-day life and the way he's given himself to others, I can say if I know anybody in our church that knows how to live intentional relationships, it's Vince Cogley. And that's one more reason why I am thankful to lay hands on him and say, yes, brother, I believe God's called you to the deacon ministry. But all of us as believers in Jesus should have this value in us because we realize that all other people are made in God's image And God calls us to love them sacrificially like Jesus loved us. And even though you're not Vince, you don't have the giftedness of Vince or, you know, the personality of Vince, you do it your way. God didn't intend you to be Vince. He intended you to be you. Let's ask that question. Who should I seek to go deeper with? Who in your life do you need to seek a deeper relationship with? Because you know it will benefit you or you know it will benefit them. It may be that you know it will be hard on you because you'll have to give time, effort, and energy. It'll be sacrificial. It'll strain you. But you believe God's called you to that. So you might give yourself to them because you know deep down that God's going to grow you through what's going to happen there. Or it may be that you say there's somebody else that has something that I need and I need to humbly say to them, can you teach me? And you walk along together with someone else. A.A. Milne wrote uh, about Piglet asking Pooh, how do you spell love? And Pooh replied, you don't spell it, you feel it. When you share time with one another, when you give yourself to one another, you feel love in a way that's more than just spelling it. Let's move on to our fourth value, and that's gifted service. Gifted service, we recognize that God has given each of us unique talents, abilities, and spiritual gifts. We're all shaped for serving one another, and we're going to serve individually. We're going to serve as a body, but we always function better as a body. God created us to be a body, to be in relationship with one another, and we grow as disciples in relationship with one another. We demonstrate His body to the world in relationship with one another. Our scripture verse there is from 1 Corinthians. And that's 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I realize I skipped the one on intentional relationships, but that's okay. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 6. It says, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. No matter who you are, no matter what your giftedness, no matter what your shape for ministry is, God made you to be you. You are the only you there is. And God works in all of us in order to bring glory to Himself. So your question there is, how have I been gifted to serve? 
Hopefully you can write down, here are my spiritual gifts, or here's what I believe my spiritual gifts are. If you can't, let me know. We'll get you a shape survey that has a spiritual gift inventory. I can email it to you, bring it to your house, whatever. But maybe you would say, I'm not sure how I've been gifted to serve. Well, put some time, some effort, some prayer into that. God will reveal it to you, I'm sure. Write what you know. Write what you don't know. Consider how God's made you to serve Him, to bring Him glory. Let's look at our fifth and final value, is gospel sharing. Gospel sharing means that as we rejoice in our personal relationship with God, that we share the good news of Jesus' love with others. And we serve them in His name. I love the line that Clarence Gillette, an ISF missionary, International Student Fellowship, said. He said, we seek to build a relationship that can bear the weight of the gospel. Some folks, the very first time you meet them, you might share the gospel with them and they'll go, wow, and they might even trust Jesus. Other folks, you share the gospel with them, they're going to take a step back and go, I don't know about you, for whatever their bias is, whatever their reason is, you know, I, I, I don't, yeah. So you need to take time. You share the gospel at the beginning, but then you build a relationship that builds trust by serving them, by loving them, by not condemning them. You live your life as a Christ follower in front of them, and the gospel will be evident to them. But you also must speak a verbal witness. 2 Peter chapter 3 supports this point. In 2 Peter chapter 3, towards the end of your New Testament, in verse 9 and 10, it says, The Lord's not slow in keeping His promise, as some understand slowness. He's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. The reason Christ hadn't come back yet is because He wants more people to believe in Him. Now read verse 10, though. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. And the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. In other words, we don't know when Christ is going to return. So even though He's being patient with us, we need to be busy at work. We need to be busy sharing the gospel with others. Not just how we live, but what we say. And sharing a verbal witness of Christ. And inviting them to follow Him like we follow Him. Which leads us to that question. And that question is, who am I sharing the good news, the gospel, with? Who in your life are you regularly seeking to share the gospel with? Pastor Glenn Stone, who died tragically this past year, said this, it's not our job to tell people how bad they are, but how wonderful the gospel is. My friend, Dr. Richard Hamlet says, your job isn't to save the world, but to proclaim the good news that the world might be saved. You do the proclaiming, the sharing of the good news. Jesus does the saving. When we consider these five values that we have agreed are the values of Southview Baptist Church and consider how they influence each and every one of our individual lives I'd ask you to say, okay, of these five, which of them do I have the most trouble with? Or which of them is God calling me to work on? And then think through how you might do that even today.
Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, as we come before you this morning, we have a lot to be thankful for. That you've called us to yourself. That we might worship you. And for most people in this room and hearing my voice on video, you've saved us. Not because of anything we've done, but because of your mercy. So Father, now as we come to this time of our service in which we lay hands and ordain vents to gospel ministry, we rejoice over who we are as a church because it's who you made us as individual followers of Jesus. It's in his name we pray.